Church. Thanks for listening in. We exist as a church to connect people to the heart of God and to a family within the church. And we believe that Jesus is the way. We hope this message blesses you and gives you hope today. All right. How is everyone? Y'all doing well? Me and Dwayne aren't going to co-preach, although we are standing close to each other. Uh, Okay. I'm about to read the word. If y'all could stand to your feet. Uh, Stand to your feet. We're we're, going to stand and... And we're just going to honor the word, y'all. This is the most important thing we do all weekend. Like, praise is great. God, it, God is there with us when we praise. But when we read his word, like, this is his letter that he wrote to us. And so we don't have to ask, you know, what God's speaking when we have the written word. Amen? And so right now we're in a series. Uh, before I read, I'll set it up. We're going through the book of Acts. We're studying that together. We're going to do that as a community from now through November. And so the first two weeks, we, we, we looked at a few things together. So we're going to kind of go back and read some of that scripture. And I'm going to set up Dwayne's text for this morning. And so we're in Acts chapter one, and I'm in the New Living Translation. Should be on the screen behind me. Here's what it says. It says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Everybody say alive. alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Verse four. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Verse 8, you will receive power, everybody say power, Power. when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, until the ends of the earth. Let's jump to chapter 2. Verse 1, on the day of Pentecost... All the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Verse 4, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Verse 14, Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jewish residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake, verse 17, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, they will prophesy. Jump down to verse 38. And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sin, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is what we hit last week. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property, their possessions, and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared all all their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. The word of God is blessed. You may be seated. Father God, we thank you so much for your written word. We thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And we pray that the church will be edified, that you will be glorified, and the devil himself will be terrified, that you get the glory out of everything in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Thank God. Amen. So today we want to talk about the great church, the great commission, as Pastor Brunson mentioned in this text of Acts. I have a question for you. Have you ever had a moment where you feel like everything seemed backward or upside down and even like things that should be planted on the floor is on the ceiling? Uh, this might be what life looked like for the people in South Africa during the apartheid. Uh, it may be definitely what the New Yorkers dealt with during 9-11 and the terrorist attacks. And so I remember a song years ago that it was uh, Lionel Richie dancing on the ceiling. So this is truly probably what this upheaval was similar to in the book of Acts, as it introduces us a bunch of believers who turned the world upside down. Acts' story talks about the church's struggle with certain uh, challenges. These disciples wrestled with whether or not certain people were believers or followers or were they really fans. And sometimes if we really do inventory and look at our lives, we need someone who will turn the world upside down and rise up. As, as Ms. Covenant said, we need to know what we know. And we need to know why we know it. We need people oftentimes in our lives to illustrate for us this radical nature of Jesus. And sometimes we need to wrestle with what it means to be a follower of Christ in the 21st century. And so I remember uh, when I was a teenager, probably around 13, 14 years old, my mother's background is that she was a history teacher for about 42 years. She still works every day in our school. But uh, during this time, she was teaching at school during the day at Stevens Public Schools, just south of Camden. And so that was about a 20, 30 minute commute from our home. And then she would come back home, prepare dinner, and then go to Kmart. So just my normal routine was that I would anticipate her return after working at Kmart at night. And I felt at ease and then I would go to bed when I knew she was home safely. But there were some times Whenever there was inventory, when the, the truck came and a freight, they would say, she would stay a little bit later, probably around 9.45, 10 o'clock is when she would make it home. And so in my mind, I knew that by the time MASH came on, it was time for me to go to bed, and I was eagerly waiting. I said, where is she? What's going on? I would call the number at Kmart, and of course, they'd have to look for her in the store, but she said, son, I'm on my way home, but we just had a, a truck come in. But just think about that, my anticipation of waiting to see my mother walk through those doors. And so oftentimes in the lives of the believer, we have times in which we anticipate or eagerly await something that God has promised. And so as Pastor Brunson read, he talked about that they were all in one place and they had all things in common. They were on one accord. And so as we look at it, I want to just kind of go back to that text. It says, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, they had all come and they were together in one place. Suddenly, like a, a wind or a windstorm, that the Spirit of God came in and they began to speak and utter with different languages. And so one of the things as we find here in this particular passage is that they tarried. As Jesus had told them that they tarried and they waited they eagerly awaited the promise that they were going to receive, and that was that of the Holy Spirit. And so as we look at this particular text, we want to understand that one of the things we want to do today is remember that the people tarry. Tarry means that we can uh, 
delay or we can wait on something with hope, with anticipation. It also talks about for the setup or the establishment of something. So here we are. We look at this particular text. This is the foundation of the church, actually. And when we learn how to tarry, when we learn how to wait on the Lord, we get what we need. Oftentimes we're waiting and we're praying to God for things for what we want. But how many of you know we don't always get what we want, but we do get what we need when we trust in God. And so in the passage of Isaiah 40, verse 31, it reminds us that they that wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength and they will soar with wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary and they will walk and faint not if we wait on the Lord. Also, Job knew this very well. Also, uh, Job in Job 14, 14, he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Also in Job 23, 10, he says, Lord, you know the path in which I take. But when I come forth, I will come forth as pure gold. I don't know about you, but sometimes the things that we want in life as, as we're trying to gain things or we're trying to live out our God-given purpose, sometimes that don't happen overnight. It's a process. And so I, what I found out in, 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 in life is that the process sometimes take longer than what we expect. See, uh, planting season is, is a different season than harvest season. And so Job was just saying, I'm going to wait until my change comes. Another note that we want to make here also is that we see the boldness of the believers throughout Scripture. And it says this here, it's illustrated that when we become witnesses and we begin to persevere, we have dunamis power. Dunamis power is that of the Holy Spirit, a power from Jesus. We're reminded that uh, as Jesus was teaching one time, he says, I'm going to leave you a comforter. I'm going to give you a promise or a seal until I return. And that is that of the Holy Spirit. And so that promise is very operative in our lives. Second Corinthians chapter two gives us a, a picture of it. Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, chapter one, verse 22. And it says this, he set a seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as deposit. You know, when you, when you put down a deposit, it's a guaranteeing that something is to come. And that's the great news for us today, that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of something that is to come. So number one, we want to understand that the people tarried or they waited on the Lord. And they were in one place on one accord. Number two is that we want to remember the table. So we know at the table there's fellowship. We have meals at the table. And as we get to um, break off into small groups, we're going to understand that at the table, we will have fellowship with one another. Psalms 23 says it like this, that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. So even though in life, as we're proclaiming this Christ that we know and that we love, there's also going to be, as Pastor B mentioned, persecution is going to be discussed. But the Lord prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And it also said, like this, David said, that he even makes enemies to become our footstools. Not that we kick that footstool around, but that we, we exemplify that Christ-like characteristic, that those enemies become those people that we could also minister to. The scripture says that we ought to pray for those who despitefully misuse us. So as we do that and exemplify those attributes of Christ, the same people that meant us no good, that God will turn it around for his glory. 
And so Psalms 128 says this, Bless are those who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor, and prosperity will be yours. And verse 3 says, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine around about your house, and your children will be like olive shoots around your table. The table keeps coming up. We need to remember the table. The table is a place that as we get together in small groups where we will begin to fellowship. Revelations 3 and 20 says it like this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears my voice and if he allows me to come in, I will sup with him and he will sup with me. So we understand that the table is a place that things happen and that, that uh, the Lord is able to show up. Pastor Brunson mentioned something last week that really uh, gave me some uh, clarity and, and gave me an opportunity to shift my thinking. He says, oftentimes we enter this sanctuary looking for something in the temple when really God wants to manifest himself at the table. So, you know, oftentimes you, you hear the scripture says where two or three are gathered. He will be in the midst. So don't think that you always have to be in this type of setting in corporate worship that that's the only place that God is going to show up. But when we get in that small place, that intimate setting in our homes, just like this early church, God will be there in the midst just as well. So remember that they waited, they tarried. Also remember the table. Uh, here's an example of table that, that's just so dear and precious to me. It is a count before Jesus' uh, crucifixion. It's in John chapter 12, and it's the story of Mary. So six days, verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. If we know the accounts, Lazarus was one that he raised from the dead. So whom Jesus had raised from the dead, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those who was reclining at the table. Somebody say table. So Lazarus was reclining here at the table, the one that Jesus, the scripture also says when Lazarus died, Jesus wept. So Lazarus is the one that Jesus loved. So they're together at the table reclining. And then this is what it says. It says, then Mary took about a pint of pure spikenard, a perfume, an expensive fragrance, and she poured it out on Jesus' feet and she wiped his feet with her hair and with this fragrance. Now I don't know about you, but I'm looking at some of the ladies out here. What would you do if someone poured out your Chanel number two? The in, not some of it, but the entire bottle. And see, or maybe your Dolce Cabana blue. If, if somebody just poured that out, that you know what you spent for it and, it, and it's poured out. You may be upset about that. And no different than the culture and time in which this was written. There were some in the room around the table leaving that became upset and they said, she is wasting this year's worth of earnings on pouring it out on Jesus' feet. And so oftentimes that's the way it is with us. Sometimes when people are in a situation and they're desperate for healing, deliverance, and to gain their relationship with the Lord, we don't know what they're going through and we don't know what extent they're going to do to get what they need. And so here we are, we see this account. I think it's so powerful because when we look at a, a bottle of perfume that we would go and purchase in Dillard's or someplace, you read the bottom of it and it says, Edu Toilette. Something to that nature. So really, if we really look at that, it's watered down. It's watered down. It's not the pure form of that perfume. But what we see here with Mary, that she gave pure worship. 
It wasn't watered down. She let her hair down. And it's just like the lady with the, in the text where she, they said she had an issue of blood. But the thing that she said was, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I would be made whole. Mary moved just like this woman with the issue of blood. She said, if I could just get to the table, I know that I could be made whole. And so what happens when we tarry, when we wait, and when we go to the table? Mary knew that if she got to the table, her lifestyle that she had previously lived, she wanted to worship Jesus and anoint him. And so we have this in context. We know that in small groups, we got to have spiritual boldness to allow that word to manifest in our lives. We begin to open up the word. What I love about this book is, no matter what book you read in life, it can be a great book. But what I love about this book is that you can read it and the author shows up. I don't know about you. When you read this book, when you get in solitude, just like my wife left yesterday to go to a meeting, man, I was at the kitchen table, at the table, and, and the Lord just shows up. So this book right here will show you yourself. And so what we want to do is when we get in our small groups, that we allow this word to begin to germinate in our lives. And so what's happening here in this same text where Mary has anointed Jesus' feet, they're reclining at the table, they're having a meal, they're chilling, they're chatting, and they're chewing on some food, but more importantly, there's conviction. Let's not discount opportunities like this because this word that we read, it will show us ourselves. One passage of scripture says, what man will read the word, see himself, and not change? So we got to be mindful of that. So one of the things is we don't want to discount the opportunities in the small groups and at the table. And what happens is once we become familiar with folk, we start holding one another accountable based on the word of God. We know we, we speak the truth in love. And so once we become familiar with folk, we begin to let our hair down just a little bit. People begin to know a little bit more about you. Some people will say like, hey, DC, I didn't know this about you. And then we begin to share just a little bit more. You know, one thing about life and Christendom is that the more we share our stories is the, the more we overcome. See, the, the scripture says that people overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony because this is what I found out about life is that if God bless you, he's no respected person. He'll bless somebody else. And it is his will that none perish but all come to the knowledge of repentance. So as we become familiar, we begin to let our hair down. We become friends and then we begin to fragilize. And fragilize is just like fragilism and friends evangelizing with one another. But in this fragilism effort, boldness will bring us to the table. And see, the thing is, is, and we know Christ has to be the center. We're going to do small groups. We're going to have fun. There's going to be some groups that will be exercising, doing a number of things. But we must make sure that Christ is the focus at the end of the day. So evangelism is that process where we communicate the message about salvation. Sometimes it's to unbelievers, but a lot of times we have to be reminded for, for some of us who may be sitting on the fence. We got to be reminded that the scripture says in Revelation, Lord, take me back to my first love where I first receive you. So as we look at this piece here uh, at the table, we're going to talk about this piece of being able to experience God in this fullness Here's an account where there's two believers, and this is after the crucifixion and the resurrection. It's found in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. It says, now the same day, and this is a kind of lengthy passage. It says, now the same day, two of them were going to a village 
called Emmaus. And about seven miles from Jerusalem, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked among them, but they were kept from recognizing him. See, something about when you get in a group setting and you start talking about the things that have happened over life, Jesus will show up. But let me keep reading. It says, they didn't recognize him. Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you are walking along? And they stood still and their faces downcast. One of them named Cleophas asked him, are you somebody visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked, this is Jesus asking, about Jesus of Nazareth? They replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word, and indeed, before God and all the prophets. Verse 20, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we hoped for that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. So they're giving this account of the entire gospel message of good news. And then in verse uh, following, it says, and what is more, it is that the third day since all of this has taken place. Verse 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. And they came and told us and that they had seen a vision of, from angels who said he was alive. That's good news. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish are you and how slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them that this was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as he approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going to go further. But they urged him, saying strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in with them. This is why we want to reference this table. It's, it's very important. Verse 30. And he was at the table with them, and he took bread, and he gave thanks. And he began to break it, and he gave it to them. And then at this point, it says that their eyes were open, and they recognized him. Sometimes we'll be just sharing our life story or the events that have happened in somebody else's life. But then when you get down in fellowship in the word, our eyes begin to be open, regardless of our backgrounds, regardless of the differences that we have. But when we get together on one accord, our eyes will be open as to what the Lord would have us to know. And it says this here, their eyes was open and they were recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Verse 32, and they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures up to us? I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. Did not our hearts burn? You know that fuzzy feeling you get? It's like you know the Holy Spirit is sitting on you. That is what we will experience as we trust God and what we're going to do as we leave these doors but go into small groups. So it's very important to us. We remember that we will tarry, that we will wait, but also we remember the table. These are keys important to us in this process of maturing as Christians or maturing as Christians. We're living on purpose and we're attempting to walk worthy of this vocation that we've been called. 
So as we get ready to go into our last point and get ready to close, I admonish us to remember that in this time at the table that we commune together. But as we commune, the Lord shows up. Times are coming, even as we are in small groups, that we will face challenges. Pastor Bronson mentioned it, that we'll talk about persecution. Some of those challenges are going to be about barriers that we have to overcome to understand one another. You know, sometimes we, we get to talking about things and it really, as, as a whole preacher would say, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. We have to see what does God fit into this equation. And some of us are going to have an, an issue with the new way of living or trying to, to behavior modification. And so one of the things that we're going to have to understand is that we have to expect constructive discontent. Constructive discontent. Sometimes when we open up the word, it cuts us. The Hebrew writer says this, the word is sharp like a two-edged sword. It cuts going and coming. So one of the things I used to tell my children, I said, this word hurt me just like it hurts you. Because uh, we got to be very careful as we're sharing with one another. Paul says this, says, be careful that you yourself don't be disqualified. See, sometimes when we get kind of indignant and say, I'm trying to show somebody else how to live, we got to be mindful of self too. So as, as we're sharing this word, we want to be mindful that, that God's grace and mercy has kept us. His compassions are new every morning. And the great thing about it is they fail us not. Passage in Galatians, Galatians 3.28, this is what small groups would look like. There is neither no Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. We're all one in Christ. So the question is, how do we live through challenges and, and sometimes discontent when we're growing, growing pains? Matthew 13 gives us a great illustration about the parable of the soils. Matthew 13, verses 3 through 8, says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, didn't have a whole lot and then it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Verse 6 says, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no root. We got to be rooted. We got to be rooted in God's word. That's what Sister Covington was saying this morning. We got to know what we know. Because it rains on the just as well as the unjust. But we got to know what we stand on. And Christ is a firm foundation. So we got to have that engrafted word rooted in us. And so verse 7 says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and was choked by the plants. Verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. That's the fourth soil. We want to be like the fourth soil. Just like the coaches do on Saturday. Fourth quarter, we got to be like the fourth soil. And this soil produced crop 100 times, 60 times, and 30 times more than what was sown. This is kind of indicative of what Jesus told the disciples in, in the book of John. He says, I'm going away, but greater works you will do that men may marvel. Not because we're greater, but, but numbers. The scripture says if, if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. So let's talk about the power and the collective agreement that saints can have. But we must understand, but since they have no root, these seeds only last a short time. And when trouble and persecution came because of the word, they quickly had fallen away. 
But we have to ensure that the seeds that we're planting and the soil that we're planting it in, that this holy seed and it's good ground. The two variables that we see here is the seed and the soil. And the difference maker is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be a witness, not just with lip, but with life. One of the things I know for sure, my, my girls are, are very observant. And I remember earlier in my walk, my, my youngest daughter would say, Daddy, you said this. But my life was opposite of what I was saying. And so sometimes what we must understand is that people love to hear a sermon or share a sermon even. There's something totally different than when we have to live a sermon. So small groups, what does that look like? Pastor Bronson read it says that they were all in one place on one accord and those differences, even though they had differences, if somebody had lack, they sold what they had to ensure that people's needs were met. It's got to be more than lip service. It's got to be the unadulterated gospel message that where we take care of widows and orphans. And the more prepared we are to present this evidence of God's truth, the better God is able to change lives and convert new believers. The possession of the good news, this is our call, the possession of the good news of the gospel involves an obligation for us to share it. What good is it to get a lot of information and keep it to ourselves? One songwriter said it like, I believe it was Jeremiah, uh, wrote it in scripture, but said, it was like fire shut up in my bones and I couldn't keep it to myself. And something as good as the gospel message has been to many of us in our lives. We need to share it with somebody else. I see some of the brothers at M18 and, and what God is doing in your life. It is super, super exciting for us to see what God is doing. We don't want to keep that to ourselves. So it says, when the word produces spiritual birth in a person's heart, we can harvest a crop of new believers. Going back to our pivotal scripture or key scripture, Acts 1 and 8, it says this, that you shall receive power, not black power, not white power, but Holy Ghost power, that after the Spirit has come upon you, then you shall be a witness. Uh, what is a witness? That the things that I used to do, I don't do anymore. Spirit and power to help you walk right, to help you live right, to help you treat other people right. And the same power is the power that the same Peter who spoke this message, he denied Jesus three times. And so over there in the gospel, he said, Lord, you know I love you. And he had to be rebuked because he did not know that the Lord must suffer these things. But even as Peter denied Christ, the Spirit had come upon him to preach the gospel. And Peter shared. And people were saved and numbers were added to the church. We have to understand that this gospel message and what we do in small groups, that we have to be bold. Will we be bold? As the Spirit of God gives us utterance of what to say. Last point. We said we would remember to tarry. We remember to wait. We also remember the table, but we must remember the tabernacle. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle had lots of symbolism and significance. Tabernacle means a tent, a dwelling place, a shelter. How many of you know that Jesus is able to be a shelter in the time of storm? Psalms 90 said that we could dwell in the secret place of the Most High. 
And the reason we need to remember the tabernacle is a safe place, synonymous with sanctuary. In this sanctuary, we will be sanctified day by day. We'll be renewed day by day. But it, sanctification is a process whereby we are setting ourselves aside for his glory. I don't know about you, but small groups are going to help us in this process. Acts 2, verse 46 says they continued to meet. They continued to pray. They continued to fellowship. And prayer is the lifeblood of any church. Verse 47, worship continued. And they worshiped God for end time salvation. Therefore, there was joy and there was praise. And when we implement these disciplines in our lives and the Lord will manifest in small groups, and the scripture says that he will tabernacle with us. Acts 9 and 31, as I take my seat, says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in reverence or fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and increased in numbers. We pray that that's exactly what happens as we continue to leave the sanctuary or the tabernacle and get into small groups that people will open up and share what Jesus is able to do and has done in their lives. And as we continue to read the book of Acts, we know that he is not a, uh, he does not show favoritism. And so we pray, God, that we just be obedient to your word and say those things that you would have us to say and that, again, the church will be edified and you will be glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, we're going to go into a time of response here. Um, and there's a few things I just want to set up for you as we take time to respond to the word. Um, you know, what we see here in this section of scripture that Dwayne just covered, come on, if you're thankful for Dwayne and the message he brought. Um, what, what we see is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, there's, there's action and there's also boldness. And I think something that all of us have to wrestle with and have to ask ourselves this question, if we're Jesus followers who are filled with the Holy Spirit, is do we walk in power? Do we walk in authority? Like as we go through life and as we walk in rooms and as we occupy spaces, are we building the kingdom of God? And, and, and for me, like when we started the series and we started going through this and started thinking about like the power of the Holy Spirit, let's just think about that for just a second. Like what does it mean to walk in the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit? You know, so, something that I, I heard recently is we can, we can get caught up in wanting to be influential, but God's goal for the church wasn't influence but power. And, and where do we see this? In our groups, do we talk about transformation or are we transformed? Do we talk about change or do we experience it? And this is something for me, just as your pastor, something I'm, I'm wrestling through that I'm praying for, uh, for our groups. And, you know, uh, what makes the table powerful is that the slain lamb is at the center of the table. That's what communion is. Communion is time where we recognize like our power comes from Christ. Y'all, 
The whole world gathers around tables. The whole world meets at tables. What separates the table of the Christian from the table of the world is that the lamb is at the center and he's the meal that fills. And so what we're doing in this season is we're, we're launching small groups, we're relaunching a lot of groups. Some of you guys, you're trying to pray about, should I be in a group, what group should I be in? You can sign up for one if you missed last weekend. I know we did that last weekend. Um, but there's a few questions I just wanna to circle back and ask. Is number one, to, to highlight what Dwayne was talking about, is are you walking in spiritual power? And if you're not, why? And listen, if you're not, that's okay. Power comes from his presence, right? If we're not walking in power, we're not in his presence. If we're not being transformed, listen, you cannot get in God's presence and not at least have a decision to make, right? Am I gonna change or am I gonna walk away and stay the same? You know, when we get in God's presence, we change. So how do we walk in power? We get in God's presence, we get around God's people and we're obedient to the things that God calls us to do. So that's number one. Number two is in your life, do you have tables where Christ is at the center? Y'all, the gospel is that. Jesus has won for us what we could never win for ourselves. And he's called us to a life of boldness. He's called us to a life of transformation. And he's called us to a life of filling and pouring out, right? He hasn't called us to burn out. That's what the world does. He's called us to pour out, amen? And so we're gonna take a few moments here um, and we're gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come. And just where you're at, ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart and to show you things that, that might be getting in the way of what he's trying to do. There might be things, listen, that are keeping you from the table. I, I really sense that there's someone in here, like you know God's been drawing you back to the table with other Christians, but there's some reason that you feel like either you're not worthy of it or you're afraid of it. Listen, at the table with other believers, we find, we find peace. We find transformation, we find, we find change. I just wanna encourage you, whoever that is, you've been battling that. Like even coming in this weekend, you weren't worried about coming into church, you were worried about getting into relationship with other people. I'm telling you, take that step, take that step of faith, and I promise you, God's gonna, God's gonna change you for the better, amen? Well, let's do this, let's stand to our feet. We're gonna do it a little bit different this weekend. I, I just wanna take a moment uh, to ask that the Holy Spirit would come and ask that the Holy Spirit would move. And so if you're, if you're comfortable, just hold your hands out right in front of you. We did this with our teams earlier. Listen, that's the, the uh, universal uh, sign of receiving, right? Just hold your hands out right in front of you. And let's just pray. Come Holy Spirit. Have your way among us, have your way in us. Let's just take a moment here. Come Holy Spirit. We ask that you'd speak to us, that you'd guide us. God, we just bless what you're doing. We ask that you would continue to do it. Work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. I pray that this message that you just listened to helps you and assists you in your journey with Jesus. And if you want to get connected in our church, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock.